This is Sarah Lemon, author of the Holdish blog and food writer for the Mail Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. You can find it online at mailtribune.com forward slash podcasts and on my blog, The Whole Dish, which is at blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food. My latest column for the Mail Tribune's food section, and the column is also titled The Whole Dish, revisits seasonal eating and sort of lays the foundation at a time of year when shoppers at growers markets in particular can really see that concept sort of sprout and grow and finally bear fruit. Because of course, in the springtime, everyone is so ready for fresh local produce after a winter of root vegetables, winter squashes, cabbages, and and really hearty field greens. And that is, of course, if you can find locally grown produce wherever you shop. And fortunately, the Rogue Valley Growers and Crafters Market did host its very first indoor winter market, which is a, a boon to the area. That's Thursdays at the Fry Family Farm Store before the markets opened a couple of weeks ago in Hawthorne Park. But when you browse those very first markets, and I used to do this as the editor of the Mail Tribune's food section, there still is a lot of winter stuff. It's overwintered. It's been stored. And that's because, of course, the days are still too short. The soil still isn't warm enough to really be producing much. And our local farmers markets are not bringing in produce from outside the area, from California, for example, we're relying on local growers under the bylaws of of our farmer's markets, which keep it local and keep it authentic. So that means still in for carrots and parsnips, leeks, cabbages, all those things that are really beautiful in their way and really nutritious, but have sort of worn out their welcome. And so I I said in this week's column, it's this time of year amid scarcity and the promise of new life that this food is so symbolic, of course, and I'm so thankful for it. And that is farm fresh eggs. And of course, they are abundant right now. And anyone who has observed this at, at farmer's markets probably has heard, oh, well, the the longer days, the light spur the chickens into laying again. If you have ever kept hens, have your own backyard hens, you are keenly aware of this fact. And I knew eggs had a season. I thought, well, okay, yeah, springtime eggs come, come up again. They start becoming plentiful again. It's why they're popular Easter and springtime fertility rituals. But until I kept hens, and I went an entire winter without eggs. I still didn't fully get it. I spent the past at least two months buying eggs when my flock of seven hens just completely stopped laying and go into a little bit of detail in my column about how hobby poultry growers can stave this off by lighting their hens' coops to artificially prod them into producing eggs throughout the winter, but 
my family's under the impression that that just seems a, a little selfish on our part. Who are we to deprive the hens of their vacation, their annual rest? Particularly when you can very easily draw a parallel of um, modern human um, activity of working under artificial lighting all winter, being deprived of our rest <laughs> for eons and eons we have. And then, of course, there's also the other angle to consider, and that's that doing that can actually shorten hens' productive laying years. And kind of think, hmm, I wonder how that correlates with human activity as well. <laughs> Made me stop and think while I was writing. Before I delved into a method for souffle, because, of course, there just are so many things you can do with eggs. They are just absolute perfect little parcels of protein, as I like to call them, the, the perfect food in so many ways. They are cheap, relatively speaking. I mean, hands down, um, serving for serving, one of the most, pro probably the most affordable source of animal protein there is, arguably. And of course, the cost depends on the quality and provenance of the egg and, and how it was produced. But they're still very, very affordable. They keep for a long time, a month in the refrigerator, if not longer. They're, so they're very, very easy to have on hand. And I, I just couldn't do without them. So I'm maybe more frustrated than some people when my hens aren't producing a single egg despite my feeding and watering them for weeks on end. But um, they are just one of those gems of the first growers markets. Duck eggs are another sort of specialty that is, is very rarely seen outside growers markets. I have actually noticed that some grocers are starting to carry them, even large uh, locally owned grocers like Food for Less in Medford, certainly farm stands and, and farm stores have been carrying them. But duck eggs are just sort of the epitome of egginess, in my opinion. They've got a larger yolk for the ratio of white, and so they just make for absolutely decadent desserts, particularly custards and sauces. If you are relying on whipping egg whites for your recipe, though, because the ratio of the white is less, you may want to add an extra duck egg white or two to a recipe like the souffle that I share in my latest column. And that can be found on the homepage for Mail Tribune's food stories and that's under the lifestyle sections and it's at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash food. You can read all the latest stories there, including this column that had a recipe for souffle that I prepared from one of my favorite cookbooks, just a really, really approachable, sorry, Julia Child, <laughs> Um, ode to French cooking. And my husband actually picked this up for me probably at a, at a cookware store years ago, maybe seven years ago. It has 299 recipes 
under the title French Feasts, and that's by Stéphane Reynaud. I've shared a recipe previously from this book, and it was for roasted bone marrow. Again, super simple. I couldn't believe how easy it was when I prepared it. And this cheese souffle was no different. Of course, if you can come by some locally produced cheese, and I certainly sampled more than my fair share <laughs> the Oregon Cheese Festival in Central Point a couple weekends ago. It was a great spot to really home in on your favorites uh, by George Farm is one that produces lovely, lovely what they call Swisskew. It's a Gruyere-type cheese that would be absolutely delicious in this recipe. I'd certainly encourage you in that direction as well. If your souffle is going to be the centerpiece of your meal with locally produced eggs, why not have a locally produced cheese flavoring it as well? Sounds like a, a great meal to me. So this is how cheese souffle happens. Again, it's it's so straightforward. I was so amazed. I had never made souffles until just a few years ago, once I had made this one. This makes four to six servings. And you will need a souffle mold. If you don't have that large, straight-sided round baking dish, these can be baked in individual ramekins. The important thing is, is that it has those straight sides, which allows the souffle to rise up out of the dish. If you don't have that, this recipe is probably going to fall flat, pun intended. It's just not going to have that sort of towering effect to it. So it really is worth tracking down one of those. They're pretty easy to come by these days. Um, you know, all kinds of knockoff cookware brands are, are doing that shape that can be obtained at, at pretty much any big box store. So start with six eggs separate the whites from the yolks and preheat your oven to 400 degrees while you're at it. This recipe starts with a roux and it starts with one and a half tablespoons of butter melted in a saute pan. Add to that a quarter cup flour and cook for two minutes over medium heat without browning. It's very important. Remove the pan just briefly from the heat and add seven ounces of whole milk and a third cup heavy cream. The measurements are a little strange, but um, that's sort of the adaptation of a European recipe, which of course is often in grams, milliliters to um, American measurements. So that's seven ounces of whole milk and a third cup heavy cream. Return the pan to medium heat and cook, stirring continuously until the mixture thickens. Remove the pan from the heat and stir in one and a quarter cups grated, preferably a Swiss-type cheese, though any melting cheese, a creamy cheese that melts really well would be wonderful here. You could use fontina. You could use even a gouda with the, the rind cut off which would impart a whole lot of flavor. It's really up to you. Probably want to steer clear of really, really soft, like bloomy rind cheeses like a brie. Don't quite give it the consistency of something like um, a Swiss cheese, Gruyere, Emmental cheese. So that's one and a quarter cups cheese of your choice. 
stirred into the bechamel and until it's melted, can keep stirring until the cheese melts. Then stir in those six egg yolks and a half teaspoon of grated nutmeg. Freshly grated from a whole nutmeg on a nutmeg grater is great. I love those. They're very, very inexpensive in bulk food sections, and you can even find the graters often right next to them for just a couple of dollars. Season to taste with salt, preferably white pepper in this case, and pour the mixture into a cold dish. You want it to cool down because the next step is whipping the egg whites and adding whipped egg whites to a hot mixture is going to cause them to deflate. So we want this bechamel, cheese, sauce, egg yolk mixture to cool a bit. So with the remaining half tablespoon butter, grease the souffle mold or this is going to require about six to eight individual ramekins. It depends on size. They're all just a little slightly different in the quantity that they'll hold. From top to bottom, and again, that's a technique to encourage the souffle to rise up the sides of that dish. Using an electric mixer, whisk the six egg whites into very firm, shiny peaks, but avoid over mixing until the mixture is dry because then there won't be the steam given off during baking that also encourages the souffles to rise. So you want to really get these nice and glossy firm so they hold their shape on the end of your whisk attachment for your electric mixer without bending over but not dry. Then delicately handle this gently, fold the egg whites into the egg mixture. And folding technique is something that seems a little strange to people who haven't really ever done it before. But very simply, it is adding a scoop of egg whites to quote unquote lighten the mixture. You use your rubber spatula to sort of cut down in one stroke right down through the middle of the bowl and then scoop up from the bottom and fold the entire scoop that's from the bottom over onto the top and it's kind of all done in just a a one two motion it doesn't have to be fast but it should be deliberate and not sort of beating away at this mixture because that's what's going to cause the egg whites to deflate and keep adding a scoop. Usually three portions is is about, you know, an an average way to go about this. Stir in one, fold, stir in another, scoop of egg whites, fold, stir in the final one, and then kind of maybe give it two more final folds until it all looks incorporated. Again, the idea is to keep as much air into these egg whites as possible, not deflating them. So once that is incorporated, just incorporated, fill the prepared molds or mold or ramekins until they're about a quarter to a third full. I mean, again, you're going to have to kind of eyeball this. Don't want them too full or else the souffle is going to kind of like spill over the sides. If you used ramekins, arrange those on a baking sheet and then 
bake those or your souffle mold in the preheated 400 degree oven for 20 minutes. Individual ramekins may take a little less time. So you just want to keep an eye on it until they're puffed and golden. And of course, soufflés need to be served immediately. <laughs> they start to fall the minute they're removed from the oven. And that's just the, the change in temperature brought out into the cooler room. But hopefully everyone can get a glimpse at how glorious these are just so elegant with maybe some of the, just the very very first spring shoots microgreens tender little salad greens um, even radishes if if those are just just starting to come in with the classic kind of um, butter and coarse salt for dipping I call that a really really light refreshing springtime meal and you can find that recipe in this week's column in the Mail Tribune food section, the whole dish. And that's at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash food. You can also read more on my blog at blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food. Thanks for listening to and reading the whole dish.